Hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Growing Pains podcast. I'm your host, Allison LaRue. I'm so happy you're joined with me today. I don't know what that noise just was in my apartment. Um, Yeah, I'm very excited for today's episode. Everything has been changing so rapidly on my social medias and things like that. So if you are new here, welcome. I'm so incredibly grateful for you and so glad you're here. We're all just on a journey of trying to figure out how to be a better person or how to be a person in general. Um, Yeah, and I'm sort of just here along the ride sharing what I've learned along the way. I got a comment on last week's episode, um, or no, I don't know if it was last week's episode, but it was a recent episode of someone saying, like, this was so painful, you have no structure, like, criticizing me essentially, which the only reason I'm bringing it up is because I want to say, like, that's just this podcast. (laughs) I'm not like, I don't have very structured conversations, but it's just not how my brain works. And I feel like it'd be very inauthentic of me to like really structure out my podcast episodes. Don't get me wrong. I have a whole notes list in front of me of points I want to talk about, but I'm just being myself and having conversation like I would with a friend. And if you don't like that, I'm very sorry. Um, But also I'm not. Like, there are billions of creators out there who you can go follow that, you know, are more up to your speed. So I just wanted to address that because I'm not going to be changing myself or the way I talk to be more digestible. So anyways, today, this episode, um, it might not be for everybody. In fact, it's not going to be for everybody, but that's okay um, because I know for the people who it is for, it's probably going to be very helpful. Um, and I only say that from a place of experience. I know if I would have seen an episode like this a couple of years ago or even a year ago, it would have been very helpful for me. And I'm going to be talking about my relationship with weed and sort of my journey with weed itself. Um, I Let's just get into it, I guess. The first couple of minutes are me going to be giving you like my whole journey with it. And then I'm going to be giving you some tips on how to quit and how to heal your relationship with it, even if you don't want to quit. So let's take it all the way back. I feel like when I say that, there should be that like, I don't know if it's Disney, but you know when you're watching a movie and they take you through a flashback and it's like, and anyways, that's what I feel like I should have experienced. So growing up, I was surrounded by a lot of addiction. Um, I feel like I will make a whole episode talking about it at some point because it's something that I really want to touch on. I remember growing up like around the people in my life who were struggling with addiction. I thought I was the only person who would ever experience it because nobody talked about it Um, and nobody I went to school with or none of my close friends had family members who were addicts. So I was very isolating and I feel like now even in adulthood it's an isolating feeling, you know, so I definitely want to make a whole episode on it. But Regardless, growing up around people who struggled with addiction was, it really changed my viewpoint on substances and alcohol and everything. Um, I grew up telling myself, like, I will never touch a drug in my life. I'll never smoke weed. I'll never do any of it. Like, I will never do that. And then my, I was in a relationship for from my freshman year of high school to my senior year of high school, um, like very beginning of my senior year. And 
that was like a very controlling relationship. I didn't have any friends. Like I didn't do a damn thing <laughs> besides see him. So I never got into any anything. Um, I never partied. I never drank. I never I never did anything. And after that breakup, I was sort of like in my single era for the first time. And I was like, fuck it. And also like I feel like I had to grow up at a very young age. So I don't want this to sound like mean towards any of the people in my life, but like my single era that I went through my senior year of high school looks a lot like a lot of my friends single era that they go through sort of in this phase of life in their early 20s. I feel like just because right now I'm in the maturity age of like a 30 year old. (laughs) So when I was like 18, 17, 18, I was behaving like a 21 year old. But, like, looking at my friends now, I'm like, I get it, girly. I've been there. Um, So I was, like, sort of going through all the things that you would expect someone to go through in their early 20s when they go through a breakup of, like, I'm going out, I'm, like, doing all the things, I'm being, you know, I was just, I was going through it. And also I was like, I kind of want to do things I was never, like, allowed to do. So, honestly, I think a lot of the choices that I made were... Looking back, I'm like, I I wouldn't do that now for sure. But also it was just like, I guess I might have done it out of spite of like, you don't get to tell me what to do anymore. Because like I said, it was a very controlling relationship. And if I would have done any of those things in that relationship, I would have been blocked for a week. (laughs) Um, So I also just like started hanging out around more people. And it just so happens that the people that I became friends with were, like, the stoners in the school, which I didn't really know, I guess. I mean, it's not that I didn't know, but, like, I don't know. And one day, um, we were all, I, like, had had a few drinks here and there. Like, I wasn't, alcohol has never been my thing. So, like, I would drink and be like, whatever, whatever, I don't want to get drunk. So then one day in the fall of my senior year, we were all just sort of waiting around school, like, they were painting a mural, and they were like, oh, we should go on a hike after school. And I'm like, down let's go on a hike after school and we go on a hike after school and then my one friend it's just so silly because my first time ever smoking she pulled out a corn cob pipe which is like the most Pennsylvania shit I've ever heard is my first time smoking weed was out of a corn cob pipe okay frosty the snowman go off um and yeah so I smoked and I didn't get I didn't feel anything at all I didn't get high at all And then, um, I think I didn't smoke again for, like, a month or two, and then I smoked again with my friend. I think it wasn't until, like, the third time that I smoked that I got high, but when I got high, I got high, dude. Like, scary high. And this was sort of, like, a turning point for me because it scared me in the moment, but I also think it had a lot to do with the relationship that I developed with weed down the line because I, like, completely left my body. Like, I was not present at all. Um, and I, w- I was talking to my friend the other day, and I was like, I wish we could all just, like, put glasses on or, like, experience the way other people experience weed. Like, I think everybody's highs are so different, and I wish someone else could experience mine. Um... But the best way I can describe it is I, w- I had this, like, loop of consciousness. And, like, <laughs> I would be, like, in my body one second. And then very slowly I'd start to, like, drift all the way up. And if you're not on video version, I'm making, like, a circle starting at my forehead and, like, 
going all the way up and as soon as it reaches like the top right above my head all the way up in the sky that's me like completely out of my body like pretty much blacked out I'm like not present at all and then once it reaches that it'll be there for a minute and then very quickly like I'm like dropped back into my body and I remember the first time it happened I was like sitting out on my friend's back patio and then like suddenly I like what felt like regained consciousness in the front seat of his car and I was like what the fuck is going on and he's like we're going to tropical smoothie like we said and I'm like what how did I get here and I think he started to like realize I was tripping because I was just like what's going on I like I'm freaking out I feel like I'm dreaming like I don't know what's happening And he was just, like, trying to comfort me of, like, you're just really high, dude. You're good. Like, it's your first time being high. You're totally fine. And now looking back, it's a funny story because, like, I couldn't realize what I was... (laughs) Well, I didn't know what was actually happening because I just started laughing out of nowhere. And I was like, that's so funny. Or, like, isn't that so funny? And he's like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, we're... Like, it's so funny, you know, what we were just talking about. And he's like... Allison, we haven't spoke for five minutes. And I was like, oh, of course. Obviously. No wonder. Like, you know, just, I was just kidding. It's not funny. Nothing happened. And so as, after that, I was like, okay, everything's in my head. So then I just started acting a fool. I was, like, making noises and, like, kicking the car and, like, doing crazy shit. And he's like, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, so that's actually happening? <laughs> like, oh, so this part's happening. So regardless, I was just tripping out. And I, like would keep getting that high frequently um and when I didn't get that high I'd still get blasted so very quickly I learned okay I can smoke and not feel a damn thing like okay I can smoke and essentially leave the planet for like a couple of hours um and that was really dangerous for me because I like I said I had just gotten out of really rough rough relationship but also I was just, like, really going through it. Um, I had a really, really, really rough childhood, and I had distracted myself. I was very good at, like, not facing my trauma um, because it was just, like, far too much to face when I was still living around my trauma. Um, So I honestly feel like, and this is really, it's not mean, but, like, Part of me feels bad to say it, but then also part of me doesn't. But it's like the relationship that I was in was fully just a distraction from my trauma um, because I literally got into that relationship six months after my grandfather died. And if you don't know, my grandfather like was basically my father. He raised me and I feel like I just needed like anything to distract me. Um, but also like the reason I say I don't really feel bad for that is because I like we were fully in a trauma bond. I know my I I was also a distraction for him, but, um, once I got out of that relationship, I was like, fuck, what's gonna distract me now? Okay, weed, and it very quickly, like, very quickly became something very scary, um, and just, like, bad for me, and I say scary in a way of, like, it was, I don't know how to explain it, it wasn't scary, but, like, It was at the same time because I was all of my life straight A student, honor roll, national honor society, like 4.2 GPA and AP classes and future business leaders of America and like almost perfect attendance and all of these things. And then 
I started smoking weed and I started like showing up to school high and I like I skipped 35 days of my accounting class like in the mornings because I'd get high at night and then I couldn't wake up the next morning and then I'd wake up and smoke and then go into school fried and it was just like what the fuck am I doing and it it was like really it, that held up for a really long time I I graduated high school and I ended up not going to college and I don't think that has anything to do with weed and as a matter of fact I'm really glad I didn't go to college um because it I ended up starting a business and here we are but I just was like a professional pothead for a really long time <laughs> like for a solid I guess from like my senior year up until last year so like three three and a half years every single hour of every single day I would smoke I'd wake up and I'd smoke and then every hour after that just to like maintain the high like there was never a time you'd see me where I wasn't fried even at work like I would go out to my car on my lunch breaks or my 10 minute breaks and I'd hit my bong in the parking lot like I was never sober ever and I was one of those stoners and it's very popular in the stoner community to be like oh it's not addictive like oh it's not a problem but like if you can't be sober that's an issue you know like that's something I had to really confront of like why can I never be sober that's an issue straight up like if someone was drunk every second of the day that's an issue and granted like I do think the two things are very different but at the same time like I realized we have to stop making so many fucking excuses for ourselves, um, especially when I like had no chronic pain. Like there was nothing I was treating with it besides like I told myself I was treating my anxiety with it. So I'll get to that. But eventually I got to a point and it was about a year and a half ago now, I think. Yes, a year and a half ago um, when I was like, I have to fucking stop. Because I just, like, never felt present in my body. Like, I didn't feel like a real person anymore. I never was present in the moment. I didn't appreciate anything. I didn't remember shit. Like, nothing about the way I was living was okay. I wasn't even living. I was just, like, floating through high all of the time. And that's not what I wanted to do. Like, that's not living. And so I really had to sort of confront everything. Um because it just got really, it was, it was a escape for me, you know, like, it, um, it took my disassociation to the next level, I disassociated a lot as a child, and then this was just, like, a constant state of disassociation, which was, like, everything I wanted, you know, like, yes, let me get away from all the shit that's actually happening, but that's, like, not healthy, you know, um, and I sort of really had to confront myself and be, like, yeah, it was just such a bad dependency. And I do just want to say, like, the whole you can't get addicted to weed, I think that's absolute bullshit baloney. <laughs> like, yes, you absolutely can. You can get addicted to anything. It's how something makes you feel. Like, you think people are out here addicted to the smell of slot machines? No, they're addicted to the way that gambling makes them feel. I was addicted and fully dependent upon weed and addicted to it because of how it made me feel. Like... Let's be so damn real right now. You know what I mean? And I'm not telling everyone to smoke. Like, smoke weed if you want, girl. I do not care. And also, I'm not denying the fact that weed helps a lot of people. Weed is very helpful for people. Absolutely. 
But what I am saying is you have to be honest with yourself. Is it helping you or are you just relying on it to not be present? Or are you just using it to escape, you know? Like, is weed helping you or are you using it as an escape? Just be honest with yourself. That's all I'm saying. And that's hard to hear. And I know it's hard to hear because that would have pissed me the fuck off if I heard that a while ago. Like, so bad. I was, like I said, I was that person. You can't get addicted to it. Oh, it helps me with this. It helps me with this. And that's the next point I want to go into is, like, I decided I wanted to quit. Well, first I actually decided I need to take a tolerance break because I think that's where a lot of stoners start to realize, like, am I even getting high anymore? First of all, yes. I feel like when you're smoking constantly, if you're smoking every day, I truly feel like you're in a constant state of being high. You know what I mean? Like, you probably feel like you're not getting high because you're already high. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you once you hit that one point, there's no going up any further than that. And I think that's why a lot of people take a tea break. It's not to bring their tolerance down so much as it's like, because your tolerance to weed isn't really going to change much in a week, babe. You're just going to maybe sober up. Um, but I was like, all right, I got to take a tea break. And then I took a tea break for, I wanted to do it for a week. And I think I literally made it to like two days. And I was like, I can't do this. So I smoked again. And that's when I was like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Why can't I get more than two days without this thing? And that's when it really started to hit me of like, no, I'm not doing this. Like, absolutely not. I'm not going to live where I can't go two days without something. Without feeling like irritable or like, what the hell do I do with myself? Literally, I got to a point where smoking was like the main activity I did throughout my day. What kind of life is that? What kind of life is that to where your only hobby is smoking weed? Literally what, girl? And I'm not trying to attack anybody. I'm saying this directly to myself. Like, it was ridiculous. That's not the kind of life I want to live at all. Like, I want a life that is lived. Smoking weed as your main hobby every single day, of it, like every single hour, that's not the life I wanted to live. I want to go out and go on hikes, and I want to go explore things, and I want to travel, and I want to feel. One of the most beautiful parts of life is feeling things. And for a lot of people, weed stops you from feeling. I know for me, that's why I smoked, is because I didn't feel shit when I was high. That's not how I wanted to live. So I was like, all right, I have to stop. I'm done. I'm stopping. So let's talk about how I stopped. First and foremost, I wrote down a pros and cons list of smoking. Why I wanted to smoke, and wh- or like why I wanted to quit, you know, pros and cons. For me, literally the only pros that I came up with when it came to smoking is that it was fun to do. Smoking was my favorite activity. I loved to smoke. And also, like, any activity I did, you smoked beforehand or you smoked during it. Like, I took all the fun out of things, I feel like, because I think that's also why it was so hard for me to quit because I was so used to smoking while doing everything. So not only was it an activity, but it was a part of every activity I ever did. You know, like if I only smoked at night, that'd be so much easier. But I smoked before and after I ate. I smoked when I went on a hike. I smoked when I was painting. I smoked when I was FaceTiming friends. Like it was my go-to activity. And now also reflecting on that, that has a lot to do with my ADHD because I constantly feel like I need to be doing two things at once to appreciate the main thing that I'm doing, you know? Like, 
if I'm going on a walk, I want to be talking to someone because that's how I can actually appreciate the walk and the talk. But before, I would just smoke. Or, like, if I'm watching TV or watching a video, I want to be, like, knitting, you know? Because then I can actually soak in the video. Before, I would go out, sit in my car, play a YouTube video that I really wanted to watch and smoke during it because that's how I'd actually pay attention to the video. It was the doing the activity thing. I just so happened to make that go-to activity smoking. So then I had to start to replace it, you know? And I'll get back to that because I got very off topic. But once again, welcome back to the show. I have ADHD and I can't stay on track. <laughs> Hope you don't mind. Happy you're here. Um, so I made a pros and cons list. And like I said, the, the main pro was like, it's fun. I love to do it. And also some pros I wrote down was like, it helps me sleep and it helps me eat. And that was an excuse I made for myself the entire time I smoked of like, this is why I can't stop because I can't sleep and I can't eat without it. And I'm, I'm really anxious without it. Those were excuses. And I'm not saying it's excuses for everybody. I will say if it triggered you, maybe think about it. You know, if you felt the need to get really defensive and be like, no, it does help me with that. Maybe think about that. Cause why are you trying to prove that to me? You know, like I've already said multiple times. This is my experience with it. Maybe I actually didn't say that multiple times, but I know I did say. What did I say? <laughs> if you want to smoke, you smoke. It affects everybody differently. I am not discrediting the fact that weed helps a lot of people. If it helps you, I'm so happy for you. Just be honest with yourself about that, you know? Weed helps so many people, but there are also so many people out there who it doesn't help that they like to convince themselves it does. I was one of those people. That's why I know those people exist, you know? Anyways, I told myself I'm so anxious without it, I can't eat without it, and I can't sleep without it. How the hell would you know that? You've never been without it. It's been three years since you stopped, since you've, you know what I mean? How the hell would you know if you can't do these things without it, if you've never tried? What, girl? And so that was something I had to admit. And then the cons of smoking for me was everything else. It makes me feel like shit. I wake up the next day and I can't open my damn eyes. I feel like I have 57 bricks on each eyelid. Like, that's not fun. I feel high for a week after smoking. Smoking weed made my ADHD symptoms a thousand times worse. Focus, out the window. Brain fog, constant. Can't think about a damn thing. I feel like I'm like fuzzy all the time literally just like a fog over my eyes I can't remember anything um what else I made a whole TikTok on this but it just like made my ADHD symptoms so much worse my fatigue constantly tired after I smoked I'd feel these things so hard for at least a week after and that's how my dependency started was because it made my symptoms so much worse and weed made me feel like shit like, the come down and being sober for the first couple of days after smoking made me feel like shit to the point where I was like, okay, how can I avoid that? The logical answer is, stop smoking, kid. What did I do? Okay, I can avoid that by making sure I'm high all of the time. Because when I'm high, I don't feel anything. So then I just smoked. All The second I would start to feel myself come down, time to go smoke. Rather than allowing myself to, you know, sober up and not smoke again because it made me feel like shit so anyways there's like dust floating in the air my nose is itching so bad what was i saying cons of smoking everything it wasn't until oh right so i made the pros and cons list whatever 
Then, from there, after I made my pros and cons list, I kept that with me everywhere. I made it my phone lock screen background. I had it on physical papers of copy, physical copies of paper, because I knew anytime I got the urge to smoke, I would need to look at this piece of paper and remind myself, this is why I'm doing it. Because also, I didn't have very good self-control or self-discipline. So even if I knew something made me feel like shit, I'd do it anyways if I got the slightest craving, you know? It was also really difficult for me to quit at first because everyone in my family smoked, and that was hard. But we persevere. So after I made the pros and cons list and I kept that with me all the time, I just told myself, we're just doing a 30-day tea break. I just want to go 30 days to see how I feel, and then we'll smoke again after it. I think too many people make the mistake of saying, we're quitting for good. And then that's terrifying because if you tell a stoner you're taking away their weed forever, that's not okay. (laughs) Because you're going to constantly be like, oh my God, I'll never hit another jeep. Oh my God, I'll never roll another blunt. Like you'll keep wanting to go do it again. Just this is the last time. But when I said 30 days, I didn't feel the need. This is my last time because it's like, girl, I'll be back in 30 days. You stay right there. You know what I mean? So don't tell yourself you're quitting forever. Even if you want to, don't tell yourself that. Be like, two weeks, see how we feel. Even a week. I do recommend going two weeks because a week isn't necessarily enough time to give your brain, like, a break. You can still feel the effects of being high a week after. Like, me personally, I would still feel high a week after. So I um, said 30 days, let's do it. And from there, I had to rewire my brain. I had to show myself how to live without smoking. I had to pick up new hobbies. I had to replace that activity because otherwise I would do nothing all day. And doing nothing all day makes me want to do nothing more than smoke. So what did I do? I started going on hikes and I also needed to replace the oral fixation. So I would chew gum um, or chew on a toothpick or... Hold on, I wrote, some down, I wrote down some other things that I would do. Chew gum, chew on a toothpick... Drinking out of a straw, like Capri Suns or even just like a water bottle. Every time you wanted to hit something, drink drink some water. Um, But like fixing that oral fixation um, is really helpful. Also, something I completely forgot I did this. Something I did that helped me tremendously when I was quitting smoking was I would smoke herbs. Because for me, like the, the biggest part of smoking was the actual act of it. Like I got to a point where I was like, I don't even want to be high anymore, dude. I just want to smoke. So I would just smoke herbs. Um, CBD is great for this. I didn't learn that until a while into it. But I will say the placebo effect hit me hard with CBD because it tastes and smells exactly like weed that I still felt high. I wasn't high, but I felt high because of the placebo effect. So some herbs I would smoke. Lavender, but lavender, like all of them kind of taste like shit, I can't lie, but it's, that's good. So I would roll a joint with like lavender, rose petals, mugwort, um, damiana, and these are all great for you, by the way. Like these herbs are so good for you. Um, and I like, I love to smoke them before bed because they calm me down. Um, but also it's just like, they're so good for you and it fixed my oral fixation. So I would go on a lot of hikes and roll up a, an herb joint beforehand. Um, and it was great. I really enjoyed it. Um, and like a big part of my ritual to go to bed was to, to roll a joint. So I would do that and go to bed. Um, Another activity was reading 
things that I like literally couldn't do when I was high. I couldn't read when I was high because I wouldn't retain any of the information. I forgot how much I loved to read because I was high for about three years straight that I couldn't read. So I got back into reading and that passes so much time. I like found this one novel that I loved and I spent three days straight reading it and I was like, oh my god, three days down. I didn't even know that. You know, like finding hobbies that you really love and use this tea break as an opportunity to rediscover yourself. Reframe the way you look at it. Don't feel it as like, oh my god, I'm going without weed for this long. Be like, me and her are on a break. View it as a relationship. Me and weed are on a break and I'm in my single era. Let me go live my single life. Let me go rediscover myself. Let me go find my hobbies and do the things that I want to do. Because I found that being a stoner for so long, that's your only personality trait. And I completely forgot the things that I wanted to do. And that was just true for me and the people around me. I'm not saying that's true for everybody. So I went on a lot of hikes. I read a lot of books. I started painting a lot. I got really back into like content creation and I would go on TikTok live a lot. I'd call my friends a lot. Um, Watching YouTube videos, watching movies, doing puzzles, like doing so many things that I just like forgot I enjoyed doing because I would get so stoned that I would just lay down (laughs) and be like dead to the world. I would do nothing. So I started to rediscover my hobbies. And then through that, I was like, whoa, life is kind of cool. Life is kind of fun to live. And then I also realized, okay, I do have a little bit of trouble falling asleep. But once I fall asleep, I sleep way better. That was something interesting to me. When I smoked, I'd wake up so many times throughout the night and I couldn't wake up in the morning. The quality of sleep that I got after I quit smoking was impeccable. It did take me a bit longer to fall asleep, but to me that was worth it. I just took some melatonin and had some sleepy time tea and then I was good. I would listen to a meditation. If you have trouble falling asleep without weed, this is the this is the fix to it. I also have a whole TikTok video on it, um, like my special concoction, but If you have trouble falling asleep without smoking weed, this is what you're going to do. First and foremost, you're going to take some melatonin, maybe like 30 minutes to an hour before you want to go to bed. Second of all, right after you take your melatonin, probably about 30 minutes to an hour before you go to bed, drink a sleepy time tea while reading a book. Try to get off your phone if you can, but we're not going to do the most. Read a book, do a puzzle, put on a nice soothing movie, drink your tea have your melatonin, and then when you're ready to go to bed, put on rain sounds with a nice meditation over top, you're out. I promise you. It will fix your, your trouble falling asleep. I promise you. And also just get so out of, get out of your head. Stop telling yourself these things. Oh my god, I have such bad anxiety without weed. Then that's probably going to be true. Stop telling yourself that. Just stop for a second and see if it's true. You know what I mean? Stop convincing yourself these things. Um, And with eating, I found after the first week, my appetite was actually way better. I found all the things that I told myself that weed was helping me with, it was actually making it worse. And they were all just excuses of why I needed to keep smoking, personally for me. And weed did not help with my anxiety, it just turned off all of my feelings in general, and that's not something I want. I would much rather feel anxiety on a daily basis than not feel anything at all. So to me, it wasn't worth it. I started to feel things again, like I, I started to feel happy, and I started to feel sad, and I started to feel like all of the feelings that come with being a human. That's what makes being a human so fun. We don't want to turn our emotions off completely, you know? 
I used to for a really long time until I didn't. And I was like, okay, I want to feel things again. So all the things that I told myself that I was, you know, weed was helping me with, it wasn't actually helping me at all. Um, so that was a really cool discovery while being sober. And also, like, I remember and that I ended up getting to 30 days and then I just kept going. And I remember, like, I, I never felt better. I had felt the best I felt in a really long time. I was waking up every day at six in the morning over the summer and going, driving like a couple of miles away from my house and going for four mile walks every morning at 6 a.m., coming home, like having the best days ever. I felt so fulfilled. I felt so happy. I felt so good, so in tune with myself. It was incredible. I rediscovered myself. I felt alive. Like I didn't feel like I was just floating through my life anymore. It was incredible. Another thing with quitting besides like the pros and cons list, the saying you're going to do it for 30 days, replacing it with better activities, confront the excuses that you made for yourself and ask yourself what's actually going on there. Like I mentioned, like, okay, is it actually helping me sleep? Let's be real. And also you won't know these things until you take a break. And if you want to quit, but you think it's helping you with these things, there's other things we can do to help you with your anxiety or with your appetite or whatever. Another thing is asking myself why I wasn't quitting. Why did I keep going back to it? Because even after, I think it was like 45 days that I quit, I was like, I kind of want to smoke. But I felt like I could do it in moderation then. So I smoked and then I ended up smoking again every day for two weeks. And then I was like, all right, I'm actually done. So then I, I stopped smoking for a really long time. Um, and then I would have phases here and there where I would smoke a lot for a week and then I'd be done for a few months until finally I was like, okay, I'm done. Um, but during that time I had to ask myself, why do I keep going back to this thing that I know doesn't make me feel good? And now that I know I have ADHD and we chase dopamine, it's just like the thought of it is like, oh my God, that would, that would make me feel so good right now. And I never think about how it would make me feel afterwards. So once I've learned to like manage that, it's like, I'm good actually, you know, um, I will say, though, I've really healed my relationship with weed through this last point that I'm going to make is like facing the things that I was trying to run from. I now feel like I can smoke once every couple of months and not crave it anymore because that was a thing before when I would smoke again. Um, I would wake up the next day and be like, I need weed again. I need to feel I need to I need it again because it would like suppress all my feelings, you know, and. I was escaping things. Now that I'm at a point in my life where I don't have anything that I'm running from, I can smoke and not want it the next day, you know? So ask yourself, what am I running from? What am I trying to hide? What am I trying to suppress? Face those things and that will really help you heal your relationship with weed because you're not using it as a get out anymore, you know? You can indulge in weed and smoke weed because it's something you enjoy and not because it's something you feel like you need to do to hide from your feelings, you know? So that's definitely something you can do on your 30-day on your break, but also that's something that takes time because healing your relationship with weed is like healing your relationship with the scary parts of yourself. And I noticed the same thing goes for like healing my relationship with food. I had to ask myself, in order to really heal my relationship with food, I had to heal from all the things I was trying to suppress and comfort myself with, with food, you know? Like, there's always something deeper 
don't try to hide from those things because otherwise like you're just going to be running in circles running in circles of like being sober and then being back into it for a couple weeks or a couple months or a couple years and then oh my god I forgot how good it feels to be sober and then I'm back in and why can't I stop and if I know I don't want to do this all the time why can't I you're running from something and you're just stuck in a loop so stop the loop break the cycle face the things that you're running from you know rather than continuing to run in the circle turn around and face it head on heal from these things, face them, release them, let them go, and then I think you'll find your relationship with weed feels a lot better. You don't feel the need to do it all the time anymore. And it's going to be different for everybody, but I hope these tips helped you. And I did just want to say this quickly because somebody asked, um, like when I was going through my first tea break, did I feel any withdrawals or anything? I don't think so. It's been a year and a half, so I don't remember how it actually felt, but like I just know the hardest part for me was the self-discipline, especially at night. I'd be fine during the day. The times it would really get me is when I really wanted to go for a drive. Going for a drive and smoking was my favorite thing ever, which I know is fully not okay to do. But also, like, I, I lived in Pennsylvania on back roads where you went 15 miles an hour and nobody was driving there. Um, and it was just, like, the most calming thing to do was, like, windows down, on like these gravel roads you go five miles an hour on like I love to do it and also right before bed and I had to like really just power through that and that was the hardest thing for me was developing self-discipline but like the actual feelings in my body I felt better without it personally but it's different for everybody before I get into the advice, I just want to remind you that like this was fully based off of my experiences and I am very passionate when I speak about absolutely anything. So I wasn't targeting you even if I was saying things like you, 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 you. I meant me. I fully meant me. Um, that's just how I speak. It wasn't about you. If we genuinely helps you, I'm so happy for you, friend. But once again, I just urge everybody to like sit with that and be like, is it really helping me or am I trying to run for something? Like, let me be honest with myself. And you can be honest with yourself and it does really help you and that's phenomenal. Like, at the end of the day, I want everyone to find something that makes them feel the best and that helps them the most. Um, But as someone who said we'd help me and it didn't, like, I know that there are a lot of us out there who it doesn't actually help. We just like to pretend it does. But once again, there are plenty of people out there who it does help a lot. So, Something that I'm introducing into each episode is a little advice segment where um, you guys submit advice and it's into a Google form. It's completely anonymous. I can't see who submits it. And um, I just want to talk about one each week. So if you want to leave it, uh, something to leave, if you, (laughs) I can't think about it, talk. If you want to get advice from me, leave, you'll find the link in the description or if you're on YouTube, in the bio. Also, if you guys didn't know, there's a video and audio version of this podcast. The video version is on YouTube, Allison LaRue. Audio version is on Spotify and Apple. Growing Pains with Allison LaRue. Anyways, let's see. Let's see. Oh, there's a lot on, like, handling toxic friends. I'm going to make a whole episode on that. Um, advice on boundaries in a relationship and how to communicate that. Mm. I feel like this is a big thing of like getting like sitting alone with yourself enough you know taking enough time by yourself to figure out like 
what do I enjoy and what don't I enjoy? What things make me feel good and what things don't make me feel good? And then you can apply that to your relationship, you know? But, like, you have to get to know yourself first because your partner can't create your boundaries for you. You have to figure out what feels good and what doesn't feel good. What do I enjoy? What don't I enjoy? What makes me feel loved? What doesn't? Um, So first, once you get clear on, like, these things, then we can create boundaries around them, you know? So, like, if you know you are very sensitive to things that people say and you take things to heart and you don't really have the best, like, you don't really enjoy it when people are, like, sarcastic with you because you just have a history with that and it really hurts your feelings, we can set a boundary there with your partner and just, like, the best way to communicate is just to be honest, just to be straight up front and communicating is scary but if the person that you're with genuinely cares about you they will receive it well and if they're emotionally intelligent they will receive you well and communicate it from a place of expressing how you feel not how they make you feel you know using I statements like our like our therapist taught us not making it an attack on them as much as like a a opening to a conversation of how they can make you feel better you know so I would just approach the situation and say something along the lines of, hey, I really want to talk about something that has been on my mind, and I was just, you know, thinking about how some things made me feel. I've been learning a lot a lot more about myself, and it would make me feel more loved if maybe we didn't joke about things like this, you know? I'm a bit sensitive when it comes to words, and sometimes when you say things like this, even though I know you don't mean it and I know you're just joking around and I know you have good intentions, it does hurt my feelings a bit and I would really appreciate moving forward if you could just be a bit more mindful with your words. You know, learning that communicating boundaries does not need to lead to conflict and as someone who grew up in a household where anytime you talk about your feelings, it led to an argument, that was really important for me to learn of like, no, I deserve to communicate my feelings and the person receive that and take that into mind the next time, you know, rather than like being so fearful that me communicating how I feel would lead to an argument. That's not healthy. And if the person that you're with does create a problem and take it as an attack, as long as you worded it well and you weren't attacking them, because there's a lot of ways that can go, you know, like you could approach it the way I just said, or you can be like, you make me feel like a piece of shit when you do this and you really hurt my feelings and you don't care about me. That's an attack on them. That's not a way to approach that. And if you've done that in the past, that's okay. I have too. But we're learning. You know what I mean? You learn and you grow. You know? So if you are approaching them and communicating in a way that can be received and they aren't receiving it well and they are becoming defensive and choosing not to listen to you and choosing to continue to not take your feelings into appreciation, then you move accordingly. I'm not going to tell you to leave them, but move accordingly, you know? But communication is scary, but it doesn't need to be, you know? Create a space where you can communicate with your partner and even just, like, ask them, hey, like, I'd really love to work on our communication skills. Communicating is something I'm really trying to get better at and I'd love to improve through our relationship. Um, Maybe we can have a time each week where we sit down and talk to each other about things that have been on our mind and we just have the space to talk, you know? So maybe... Every Wednesday, you guys cook a little dinner in and you, you know, get cozy on the couch and you just have time to, like, talk about things, you know? I also do recommend not always talking about things in the heat of the moment. Giving yourself time to think about what you want to say. Give yourself time and space to sleep on it. 
make sure what you're saying is how you actually feel and not just like out of emotion, you know? A quote that really helped me was learn to respond and not react. Respond to how people make you feel, not react. Because reacting is all on impulse and it's all on emotion and we want to respond on logic and emotion, you know? So sleeping on it. That way the next day you can be like, no, I do still feel this way and I do want to communicate it, but I'm not communicating solely out of a place of reactive emotions. And if you struggle with communicating a lot, something that I did in the beginning of learning how to communicate was writing people letters. Write down or even type out how I feel because I knew if I went into a a conversation or a confrontation, and I do just want to say not all communication needs to be confrontation. It can just be communication and conversation. But I knew if I went into a conversation where I was trying to express my feelings, I wouldn't say it how I want to. And I wouldn't say, you know, maybe I'd say something wrong and it would get taken the wrong way. Or maybe I would leave some parts out or maybe I would become emotional in the moment. So I decided to start writing things down. And from there, you can either just ask the person to read the letter while you're not in the room or while you are in the room, or you can read the letter to them. But that started to really help me get comfortable with communicating and also Communicating with people who you feel safe and comfortable with because there's nothing worse than communicating with someone who doesn't receive it well, especially when you're trying to learn how to communicate because that's going to make you want to shut it all off and be like, I'm going back to not telling anybody how I feel. That's not good either because that's just going to, you know, if you keep all these feelings inside, if someone is making you feel bad repeatedly and you don't tell them, they're going to keep doing it because they don't know anything's wrong. They can't read your mind in their head there's no issue, you know, but in your head, they should know better, and there's a huge issue, and this whole time, you're building resentment towards them for something they don't even know is happening. They don't even know it's wrong because it's all in your mind, but it should be so obvious to you because it is so obvious to you, but they have no idea. So, as scary as it is, know that, like, truthfully, the direction of your relationship does rely on the communication that happens or the lack thereof. A healthy relationship cannot exist without healthy communication, and that's something very important to remind yourself. As scary as it is, know that, like, we all have to start somewhere, and even just, like, I am such an advocate on being so transparent. I am, if you can't tell already, such an open book. I will never keep anything to myself when it comes to how I'm feeling. That's not true, (laughs) but, like, if I'm talking to someone, I remember when I first started, like, learning to communicate, I would, well, I can't say this, but, like, Now, if I I was going to say I would tell people, like, I'm a little nervous here. I wouldn't because I never admitted when I was feeling. I felt like I was, like, the coolest person ever. Like, I had such a big ego for a while there, and I can fully admit that, that I was like, I'm doing everything right. I'm communicating. Look at me being healthy. Like, girl, get off your high horse. But now if I'm like, I still get nervous to communicate. Don't get me wrong. It's a natural human thing. Um... I'll just tell them, like, okay, I, like, I have something I really want to get off of my chest, and I can't lie, like, I'm a little nervous, so, like, if I don't say it the right way, just, like, please bear with me, but, like, know that the things that I'm saying are coming from a place of, like, me trying to express my feelings and not an attack on you, this is not personal, so please, like, don't take it the wrong way, you know, um, but just be open with people, you know, you can't learn until you try communication is truly a practice that you will not get better at until you practice it so just go for it and that was such a long-winded answer but if you haven't learned by now I am incapable of making anything short and sweet 
I was going to do more advice, but I think I'm just going to stick to that one for now. Like I said, if you have any topics or questions you want to submit for me to give advice on, it's in a Google form that I will link. I'll link it in my bio and my Instagram and everything, but I will also link it in the description of this episode as well as the description of the YouTube video. Go follow me on Instagram at the Allison LaRue. We're going to hit 80,000 subscribers soon. <laughs> Tears have come to my eyes because what the fuck is that about? I was at 16,000. 16, one, six comma, zero, 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 a week ago, about a week ago, a week ago, oh, like, I don't know what's going on, but I'm very grateful, because I've been doing this podcast for three years now, and it was never about, like, I did this when I had one listener, and I would do this if I had no listeners, so the fact that, like, people are listening now, and I'm getting so many messages, and, like, this has helped me so much, thank you, literally, that's all I want to do, is just, like, help people, And I'm, like, truly doing this is so healing for me because I'm, like, this is what I needed a couple of years ago. And this is also what I need now. So if I can help you guys in any way, like, I'm truly so grateful for that. And it just, like, makes my heart feel so warm. But also know that, like, I am no better than you. You are so capable. And, like, if you admire me or if you, you know, even like me, because you see something in me that is also in you we are a reflection of each other if you find something you like in me find that same thing in yourself and like it about you I love you friends thank you for being here um I think I'm gonna do like a catch-up episode soon where you just sort of get to know me because I give a lot of advice and I talk a lot about things but like who am I we'll talk about it soon um So yeah, thanks for being here, friends. I love you. I hope you take care of yourself. I hope this helped you. Please feel free to DM me if you have any other questions. Um, But yeah, take care of yourself. I love you. Have a good week. And you deserve healthy love. Bye, friends.